mention it. Yeah. Now that you mentioned a podcast with Kevin and Dane, I'm Dane. And I'm Kevin. Back again. Yeah. After a week. Yeah. So we're here today to do a follow-up episode to last episode, last, I was about to say last week's, the other week's episode on environmental racism. Um, so yeah, prepare yourselves for that. I think we're going to go a little more, we're going to like talk, touch more on like the racism aspect of environmental racism. Um, but before that, what you got? I was going to ask you that. I, 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 I figured. I got some stuff. My first question, <laughs> <laughs> my first question is when you, because I got my haircut the other day, when you were getting your haircut, uh-huh. are you a talker? Are you silent? Do you, and do you prefer one or the other? Um... Okay. Like, even if you say, are you, I, I do talk to the guy or girl who cuts my hair. However, I would actually prefer silence. Like, this is what I want to get into. Um, okay. Really, I'm a talker at the barbershop. Um, okay. Actually, but, that does surprise me a little bit. But I think, uh, I think going to, like, black barbershops, you're, like, forced to talk like it's almost like that communal aspect of the whole shop being in conversation is about it the a particular whole shop or are you just talking with you the guy no, who's cutting it's, your hair it's normally the whole shop like somebody throws out some shit about you know jordan versus lebron and then the whole fucking shop everyone's is going like at it. what the fuck are you talking about blah, blah. you know what i'm saying yeah, so yeah. yeah so i think you're like, yeah, I think like in black barbershops, you're kind of forced into into the conversation, whether you want to be in it or not, because yeah. somebody's going to like say if you are sitting there silent or whatever. Yeah. Somebody's going to say, well, what the fuck do you think? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what's what's your like everybody else has said something. What the fuck you got to say? Like, even if you just, you know. So, yeah, you're you're but, what, but you're like in. facing the mirror. What are they? What is your barber like spin you around? No, you're See, not. You're not always. You know, facing the mirror. They. I mean, black, they swivel know, they, you. Yeah, they swivel you. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, man. I don't. I don't think you can avoid the conversation. Okay, and do you? And I think prefer it, it that and so way. I think, or would you prefer to just get your haircut in, in peace, in silence, not peace, in silence? Um. I guess if I were, I don't know. Maybe not. And I guess that's just because I've been socialized okay. to. You know, the barber, that whole experience being like, we're not just, you know, you're not just cutting my hair. We're, you know, talking about sports or politics or whatever, you know, whatever's going on. So it's kind of like, yeah, for me, I, I I guess you could say I prefer it, but I prefer it based on the fact that I've been socialized in a, you know, in that space. Right, but is there, it, 
in other contexts, are you a chit chatter? I feel like you're not a chit chatter. This is what I'm driving at. So like, if you hop in a cab, I no, don't, I don't see no, you as like no, no. If I'm like in an Uber, money? if I'm in an Uber or something like that, no, I'm not talking. Uh, yeah, I want silence. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I say like I think with the the barber situation is more so the space or whatever that you know brings that out mm. because that's just sort of that you know historically it's been that space where like you know black men are always sort of just an open book in those you know in those spaces so it's kind of like you're I guess you're, you could say that you're a bit more comfortable being open to like mm. chit chatting and shit like that in that space but with regard to like other shit like I said Uber or you know if I'm fucking anywhere else, yeah. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want help. Yeah, I don't yeah. need you, you know, asking me questions, like any of that shit. So yeah. Yeah. No, I, cause when I got my haircut, the place I, I go to a place by work and the woman who normally cuts my hair wasn't there. So it was someone else. Mm-hmm. And she was all business. She was like, not talk. She was just like, oh, this is what it is. Cause I mm-hmm. set the precedent of like, you're here. We're gonna cut my hair, and I'm just gonna just chill out. I don't mm-hmm. want to talk, and like, yeah. But like, when I do have hair cutters who want to talk, I'm like, <laughs> hair cutters. I, <laughs> I really have to make small talk. I hate it. Like, I, I would take an automated. If they could automate, really, barbers, are an automated barber, an automated barber where you could just Damn. be like, no talking, just get in and get out. Like, <laughs> I don't need any of the extra. I don't need anything else. I even. I like they like sh- they have like shampoo they like shampoo your mm-hmm. hair and shit yeah. at, at the place I go to it's a little bougie and like I don't even need that I don't man need- look at my barber my old barber when I was in high school Lawrence it's this barber shop in L A called Good Fred um, Lawrence was a wizard <laughs> with this shit bro like swear to you one of the, you know in terms of what. The overall haircut experience Ooh, is very accommodating, bro. Like, not only were his clipper skills, okay, you know, a one, but then he was like taking you back there, washing your hair, like a little scalp massage. Oh man, like it was. I'm in high school, like with the freshest cut. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it's not nice and lavish, but it's it's the sort of interstitial moments in like the in-between moments where I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to do now? They're like, okay, let me lead you over to the, Mm -hmm. this other woman. She's going to take, like, I'm not hip, hip to all the different (laughs) social expectations. Like, and I'm sitting there and like, I have to, the woman has to cue me like, okay, now you lean back. And I'm like, do I fucking dip, dip my head back? And like, now what do I do now that I'm done? Like, do I wait for the, do I wait for the woman who's going to cut my hair to come fetch, to come get me? Like, do I walk? And sometimes I get anxious. I get like anxious. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to walk away. You and, are a and, fucking wreck. Yeah, <laughs> like that's all I hear it's is like, too much. all I hear is social awkwardness in social anxiety. Yeah. But it's, it's too much. I don't know. Like, do I, do I really have to wait in in the shampoo chair for my barber to come and get me? Like, 
Because one time I had I had the wet hair. She was like, okay, you're all done. And I just got up and, and beelined it back to my chair. Mm-hmm. And everyone, like, they were like, they, they were like, it was like some <laughs> performance art shit. They're like, what? What is he doing? And I'm like. But see, that's what you just have to pick up the cue, the social cues. <sighs> yeah. You know, if you, you go there enough, how often do you get your hair cut? Once every couple months. Okay, well, you don't go enough to. Yeah, it seems Pick like it's all the... different places have different. I've really only been to this place maybe three times, and different places have different protocols and operating mm-hmm. procedures. Yeah, and like who you got to tip, and it's like you tip the person who shampoos you, you tip your barber, and then but there was also like Brody who took my coat. Like, do I? But but he here's the thing. Like, there was a little envelope with that were pre-addressed like you could pick out an envelope with the person who cut your hair's name on it and you could you that's another thing you have to remember the name of the person who shampoos your hair so it's like now i gotta remember two names to tip and (laughs) that does sound like a lot like they're doing a lot and so okay so you can pick out those two names and you put in like the 10 the five whatever it is but then it's like well brody who took my coat Normally, like if this was a hotel or something, you'd probably tip him, mm-hmm. right? But he doesn't have an envelope option. So what am I supposed to do there? So now that's a whole different scenario. Like, so I'm giving, yeah. so you get the official in the envelope cash, but now I've got to like pass Slide. you out. Like, yeah, yeah. and I didn't see other people doing that. So I'm like, is is this dude just getting fucked out? Like, so. It sounds, you know what? You need a personal barber who can make house calls. Ooh. Ooh, that's, that's what a you good idea. That's that's what you need. I have not. That's that's what you need. It's a very fresh idea. Yeah, I might I'm, I might have to do that. Yeah. What so, do you sit in? A chair. <laughs> I mean, if you want to sit Indian style on the floor, I guess you can do that too. But <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious! All right, so that's that's my, that's what I was thinking about fucking haircuts because I got a haircut, a bad haircut, a couple days ago. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. My hair is fucking like you really have to know what you're doing, otherwise it looks like I have a bowl cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you do have like the legit. It's so straight. It's, yeah, it's the most. Yeah, it, don't get me started on on this bullshit. Anything else? How do you like the oat milk? It's trash. Is it really? You don't like it? No. Nah. You don't like the oat milk creamer that you put in your coffee. You do, you, it's it's passable. Well, because you both for both cups of coffee, you incorporated the oat milk. Well, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure what I tasted the first time. I I mean I'm biased towards oat milk too. I just think this one is pretty good. No, it's actually pretty good. It's good, right? Yeah. yeah. You just need a little bit because it's pretty sweet. But I will judge you I, if I, you get oat milk. I, yeah, yeah. I have I have true disdain for people who put like sugar in coffee. Me too. <laughs> that, that shit bothers me so much. But see, that's some social, that's some neuroses shit too. Like I think like why should I care if a, if someone wants an almond milk latte, but in my head I'm like I really on a deep. Oh level. no, yeah, no, like I don't say anything. Of course not, yeah, but like but, I still feel the emotion. Yeah, I'm like this is you're ruining it. <laughs> like you're ruining the coffee. Like really, I guess like Starbucks coffee 
you could put sugar in that or you have to like that's why the starbucks shit is so sweet because their coffee tastes burnt yeah so you have to like counterbalance that shit but if you go to like a, a you know regular coffee shop or whatever who has some you know who's Got the Brooklyn Roasters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Counterculture. Right. So you go somewhere like that. If you're putting sugar in in a cappuccino or a cortado or some shit like that. You know what's crazy? So uh, the other night, me and Devorah went out. And after dinner, you know, I get the... I get the cortado, mm. you know. Lovely. Right. Lovely touch at the head of a dinner. Got to. And the the server asks, did I want sugar? Like, do you want sugar? <laughs> no. <laughs> what, what do you know? Excuse me? Yeah, like, what? <laughs> where the fuck am I at? Am yeah. I at Dunkin' Donuts? Yeah. No, I don't want any fucking sugar. Bro, I feel the exact same way. So much disdain. So much unwarranted disdain. No, it is. It's it's pretty bad. It's re- like because I worked as a barista for so many fucking years, and like it would be hard for me to contain when. And it's a weird. It's weird, like how gender roles fit into that too. Because like if if I like a grown ass man coming in, is like, can I get a oat milk, bro? Whatever, and then I he's pouring simple syrup in it. I'm like, I just. I, I resent you, bro. That is, if you if you are a grown man, and you are going to the coffee shop to ask for an oat milk, anything <laughs> or an almond milk, anything, soy milk, yeah, anything, yeah, yeah. you're trash. No, yeah, we have a problem. You are, you are trash. Yeah, like that. That's a friendship ender. Like I'm not fucking kicking it with this motherfucker. It's a, when, I was, when I was Stephanie, I, I, I get legit secondhand embarrassed when she's like, "Yeah." Oh no, no, look it. I have to go out in in the morning, so like Devor, she'll you know be working later some shit, and so I go, I get up early and I go to get coffee. So obviously, I'm grabbing her coffee as well. Oh, you and so I'm forced to place the order. And it's like Sucks. so so so. What's crazy is like sometimes I'll like I'll place the order. And I'm like, yo, you know, the coffee shops I go to, I go to two. All the, the one time. spot you hit me to was really good. Which on one? Twenty ninth. Uh, oh, Linux. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Linux is fire. Yeah, That's, it's really good. Yeah. So, um, and they know what I get. Like as soon as I walk in, it's like they're already making the cortado. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so I'm like, yeah, let me get. You know, my usual, right. and then an oat milk latte. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and they're yeah, like, yeah. and everybody's looking bro, like, what? Bro, bro, <laughs> I have something that is so germane to exactly what you're talking about. When I have to do that, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. I really OD on making it clear what part of oh, the it is. is my, oh, yeah. Sometimes yeah. I'll, even, I'll even fucking method act. Oh, yeah. Like, like, look, at, like, look at the, oh, I'll yeah, like, she I'll wants like, it. I'll be like, yeah, like, I, I just like a large black coffee, please. Uh, no, No space for milk. And then- yeah. Oh, it looks like she just. Yeah. She, she wants some so, kind of. Yeah, can you read this hey, for me? I, suddenly, I become hey. like. Can you uh, tell me what this says? Bro. She wants some kind of potato <laughs> or oatmeal. Bro. Bro, I literally do the same exact Hell shit. Yes. Like I'm, I'm pulling out the phone. Like, oh, and 
Um, <laughs> can I get the no uh, text? Yeah, yeah, no, nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing. Bro, I'm on the lock screen. <laughs> I'm on the lock screen. Like, yeah. So, and, um, <laughs> oh, get the so old, the old milk latte, and oh, that just coming out of my mouth yeah. is is trash. Oh yeah, that's yeah. so fucking fire. That's so. Good. <laughs> Holy shit! All right. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Um, all right, so I feel like we've been the opening segment has been going a while. I do have other shit, but I can I can save it for subsequent yeah. opening segments. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll take a break, and we, when we come back, we will talk about environmental racism, right? Part two. Mentioned a podcast, yeah. Um, you just suggested that we record a little, a little drop, a little drop, a little social media plug, so it's uniform and we don't have to waste time doing it each episode. However, since we haven't done that, please follow us on social media <laughs> at NTYMIPod, Twitter, Instagram. Subscribe to us on iTunes. We've got some good reviews. Yeah. Reviews are looking solid. The numbers are looking hearty. Huh. Yeah. I haven't looked at any of the reviews lately. I have to check those out. Yeah. But if you listen, you, I, I want you to feel obligated to leave a, a review. Right. Um, so please, please write us a review. And um, I want to give a quick little shout out to a listener. I found... I met a listener mm. in real life. Really? I went to former coworker of ours, uh-huh. Edgar's uh-huh. pop-up store downtown for his brand, Lousy New York. This is not a, a plot. This is, he didn't ask me to say shit, but okay. Edgar has a clothing company called Lousy New York. I didn't know that was Edgar. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. fine. And it's really, it's like actually really dope. And I <clears throat> like, I wear the clothes. They're really, really fire clothes. And... There, at the at the event, was a mutual friend introduced me to this cat named Mark, and our, well, it was Ricky. Ricky was like, um, "Mark listens to your podcast every week." And mm. I was like, "No shit, thanks, bro." And like, it was just it was so nice, and he like apparently had posted about it on Facebook and shit or Instagram, mm-hmm. and it was just like so. It was just like so nice and like That's fire. Yeah, really, like, that's why we do this shit. And, like, it was really, really fire. And um, he actually used to be a writer, mm-hmm. a CW at our, oh, our former place of work really? under the name Frankie Tubbs. Oh, okay. If you remember, yeah, Frankie, I remember Tubbs. Frankie Tubbs. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He still, okay. I, I, I want to connect with him more, but yeah, I think he still writes. Yeah, um, that's what's up. For, um, 
like this is 50 and all hip hop and shit like that. Okay. So he's kind of in our, in circle. our little circle. Yeah, that's fire. But yeah, thank you so much. Shout yeah. out to you, Mark. I hope I didn't fuck up the name, but I think, I think I'm, I'm so bad with names, but it's, I, think it was, I think I met Mark and Frank, AKA Frankie Tubbs. Yeah. Shout out to you. Thank yeah, you, man. Shout out Frankie Tubbs. Um, okay. So environmental racism part two in the pre-production meeting, we decided <laughs> that we are going to open environmental racism part two with a little vignette about a town called Anniston, Alabama, which was sort of destroyed by PCBs. And the reason, well, what are PCBs? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, the layup. I need you to like intersperse those layups. Um, and yeah, the reason I think it's instructive to tell the story is because um, stories like this little town of Anniston, Alabama, become parables for mm-hmm. that you can extrapolate from. There are these instances of egregious industry malfeasance, and it basically is a perfect illustration of what environmental racism is in real life. Right. Okay, so what was that little layup you had for me? Oh. What are PCBs, Dane? Okay, so thanks for asking, Kevin. <laughs> PCBs are polychlorinated biphenyls. Mm. I like that pronunciation? I yeah. worked on that shit. Yeah. Okay, that, what does that mean? They're a man-made organic chemical made up of carbon, hydrogen, and chlorine atoms, and they can come in the form of like a liquid or a black waxy solid. What the fuck are they used for? Because who knows? Like this shit was a mystery to me. According to the, according to the EPA website... Due to their non-flammability, chemical stability, high boiling point, and electrical insulating properties, PCBs were used in hundreds of industrial and commercial applications, including electrical heat trans- transfer and hydraulic equipment, plasticizers and plates, paints, plastics and rubber products, pigments, dyes, paper. They were banned in 1979, but products that may contain PCBs, like old electrical devices, are still out there. Mm-hmm. And PCBs were so widely used that the average American today has PCB blood levels of two parts per billion. Mm. Mm. So why are they so fucking bad? They're known to cause cancer. Harriet Washington calls PCBs or classifies PCBs in what she call into what she calls brain thieves, which is like mm-hmm. self-explanatory. They erode the structures of the brain and central nervous system. Um, they fuck with the normal healthy processes of mental development um, by like messing up with like your hormones and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're exposed to them by consuming food, water, breathing it, it, breathing it in the air, and skin contact. Washington writes, very low concentrations of PCBs are harmful for immature brains during their critical windows of development. In 2000, researchers calculated that a PCB concentration of just five parts per billion in a pregnant mother's blood can have adverse effects on the developing fetal brain, giving rise to attention and IQ deficits that appear permanent. Five parts per billion is equivalent to one drop in 118 bathtubs full of water. Mm. So keep that in mind as I tell you this story of Anniston, Alabama, because it's horrifying. Anniston, Alabama is a town like 60 miles from Birmingham, a population of like 25,000, more than half of which is black. Um, in the late 30s, there was a company there called Swan Chemical. They made PCBs. After that, subsequent to that, Monsanto Industrial Chemicals, evil Monsanto, took it over. 
1969, the chemical plant was Aniston's biggest employer, and this is where it gets disgusting. They were releasing 250 pounds of PCBs into a local river that was in, literally in the middle of the city's black residential neighborhood. Every day, 250 pounds every day. So basically between 1935 and 1971, Monsanto was just OD dumping tens of thousands of pounds of PCBs into Aniston's creeks and ground uh, by burying them in and around Aniston. Um, so like kids started to die of cancer at the age of 12 and 16. Um, eventually, an Aniston resident named David Baker, whose brother had died from lung cancer at the age of 16, created a community organization to try to force Monsanto to compensate everyone that they had fucked over. Um, the EPA subsequently tested Aniston's soil and water and the blood of Aniston residents, and the blood of Aniston residents had the highest ever recorded levels of PCBs. Ever. <clears throat> The, the crux, I guess, or subtext here is Monsanto knew the whole time exactly what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And this is one of, of the elements of the story that it becomes sort of a parable where you can extrapolate to other instances of this. They knew. They, Monsanto had a team of their own biologists test the water. They put fish in one of Aniston's creeks, and all 25 fish they put in the creek died within three and a half minutes. One biologist said, quote, it was like dunking the fish in battery acid. Now, mind you, Washington's account of Aniston is punctuated by examples of kids going out and playing in the ditches, which mm -hmm. had these PCB-contaminated waters, going in the creeks, fishing. Right. They, they, they would fish for their food. Okay. So terrifying and awful. Um, the person who organized the, the lawsuit, uh, Baker, eventually approached Johnny Cochran – uh, and together, they won a lawsuit, and they procured for the victims $300 million settlement from Monsanto, and $50 million of that was put aside for a health clinic to address the mm -hmm. concerns. Okay, now, in case you thought that was, like, ultimately a, a happy story, um, it's not. About 47% of the settlement, which was roughly $140 million, went to the about 18,000 plaintiffs, which comes out to about 9,000 each for adults. Mm -hmm. So think about having $9,000, just getting that payment, and you have a lifetime of cancer. Right. Or for a kid that came out to be like $2,000 for a kid. Um, the rest of the money went to pay for the lawyers, and in 2017, the $50 million health clinic ran out of money and closed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, thus concludes the story of Aniston, which is like so many other stories in terms of this uh, environmental racism shit. So, where do we take it from here? Mm. Well, I think what Aniston illustrates perfectly is like the sort of harkening back to our first episode when we talked about sacrifice zones. But then Washington also outlines fence line zones, dead zones, mm -hmm. right? So I think what Aniston shows is spatially this sort of geographical uh, element of this, right? So like 60, 63 miles away from Birmingham, which is the, you know, the state's economic center, right? 
sure that's where uh, most of the wealthy white people and also wealthy black people live in Birmingham, right? So 63 miles away from Birmingham, working class, poor working class black people are literally in a town of 20 plus thousand that is a designated dead zone, right? Where you can't fish, you can't play, <laughs> you can't can't do any. So I, I think what it what it illustrates is we look at the we look at the country through the lens of cities, right? We we always like talk about oh it's L.A., San Francisco, New York. What just think about these small towns, these post industrial towns that have you know predominantly black and brown populations or um, poor white populations and are absolutely decimated by the environment. And so I think this like perfectly sort of illustrates like what, what those dead zones look like. Exactly. (laughs) And so to pick up on one thing in there, I feel like a common intuition people have about this stuff is that socioeconomic status is probably the best predictor of who is affected Mm -hmm. by stuff like this, Mm -hmm. who is more likely to live next to chemical plants, who is more likely to be breathing contaminated air, stuff like that. It's true to a certain extent, but if you look at the data, race is actually a better predictor, and there's some pretty stunning stats that show that. Mm -hmm. So in 2014, a study showed that middle-class black households with incomes between 50 and 60,000 live in neighborhoods that are more polluted than those where very poor white households with incomes below $10,000 a year live. Right. Um, another study in 2016 showed that children of color make up two-thirds of the roughly six million kids who live within a mile of a toxic facility. Mm-hmm. So socioeconomics play a role undoubtedly, but looking at the data, oh, no, race I mean, is like, the better yeah, predictor. Yeah, of course. And I mean, like, that's, that's based on just a history of, you know, black people and brown people to an extent, like, well, not to an extent, black, brown people as well, have been locked out of wealth. So, like, <clears throat> even when, like, you have, you know, working class white families, the fact that they, you know, probably have a house that's passed down to them, their income might not be, you know, 50000 or whatever, but they own the house because the house was passed down to them in a, you know, area that was designated safe from these unlawful corporate practices. Yeah. And so that's where that, that factor comes in at. It's just, um, when I, when I pointed out poor white people, I was like, I was really thinking about those who literally don't have enough money to move out, Mm, you know, like it's, it's areas now. Like when you think about like gentrification, you think about a lot of the suburban areas that are, going to be the sacrifice zones in the coming years and for those who can't leave (laughs) yeah and for the people who they're warehousing you know in these you know like think about you know just as an example is like a ferguson or whatever that's a technically a suburb now you have white people who live in ferguson who can't make who can't get out of ferguson right and so if that if ferguson were to become a sacrifice zone environmentally speaking then they would get caught up in that shit too. Yeah. 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 All right. So 
the reason we wanted to do this part two, I think, is just so we could get a little more into the weeds in terms of just how pernicious this stuff is, specifically lead. So give me some um, give me some cues if I'm like you think I'm like repeating mm-hmm. material. Mm-hmm. Um, but this the lead stuff was just so more like fascinating to me, and just because the more you dig into, I, I was like, why? Why is it that lead? Is like this. Why did how did lead be, come to be this danger? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it goes back to the ancient Romans who used lead in their plumbing and their fucking cosmetics. They put that even put that shit in their food and wine because lead tastes sweet. Right. And like that was the paint thing. Why right. Kids right. And why kids? Paint. Why yeah. kids like are like eat it? Um, some historians even like speculate that the. Um, the Romans' widespread use of lead engendered the, the mental decline, which led to the collapse of the civilization. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Funny. Crazy. And um, the word plumbing derives from the Latin word for lead, plumbum, P-L-U-M-B-U-M. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so, okay, so how does that translate to it being relevant today? Uh, this nice little quote from Washington reads, Lead was widely introduced into American homes for the same reasons the ancient Romans embraced it wholesale. It was useful. It enhanced the home environment with higher status ornaments and products. Painted walls, for example, replaced wallpaper in mid-century homes because paint was more modern, easier to use, easier to clean, more hygienic, uh, as the industry reminded us. Hmm. Um, And lead-based paint was used widely in schools, hospitals, other buildings. Um, and but the thing is, we knew how bad it was for us by the 1880s, and in the by the 20s, towns and cities were passing statutes that uh, banned the use of lead. So, okay, so like, why didn't those stick? Now this becomes a story, like again, back to the Aniston thing of like just corporate malfeasance, or I don't know if you can call it malfeasance, but sort of deliberate um, information campaigns designed to keep their harmful product on the shelves. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how would you, how would you describe it? Uh, a capital maximizing tactic. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I think about like, think about it in terms of capital maximizing because the only reason that you're, you, I guess the, the corporations are thinking we can maximize our profit if we use lead in these, you know, different forms. And it's probably more, it's, more cost effective if we put out a propaganda campaign yep. to get this, you know, passed and shit like that yep. versus us having to redirect and, and find new materials and yeah. new shit. So, yeah. And let me just say really quick, because Washington's whole thesis is about how environment, environmental racism depresses IQ. A lead paint chip no larger than a fingernail can send a toddler into a coma one-tenth of that amount will lower his or her IQ just to show how pernicious the effects of lead are. Um, Among a whole other host of awful effects, slowed growth, anemia, heart disorder, reproductive issues, reduced kidney function, uh, throw in some lowered IQ, behavioral issues. Right. Okay. So I was really fascinated by how like the lead industry launched this 
propaganda campaign, like extolling the virtues of lead, which because it's just so egregious. Um, they published guides, like for instance, on how to safely, in quotations, safely install lead pipes, which it then pushed to plumbers and architects, like the city mm-hmm. water authority stuff like that. Which they were lying in doing so because there is no safely way to use lead. Um, and at the same time, they were publishing these bullshit studies that downplayed the hazards of lead. Mm-hmm. And so the result was that even though we knew how bad it was for us, over the following decades, given this campaign perpetrated by the lead industry, we sort of – the dangers of lead were sort of gradually forgotten. Um, the industry basically had diluted the alarm mm-hmm. uh, and they downplayed the effects of their product. And it, these problems persist today. So – in, in 1987, the CDC, Center for Disease Control, advocated the complete abatement of lead because there is no safe le- level of exposure. Before that, I think the CDC, they were, they were like, it's five parts per billion mm-hmm. or whatever. But mm-hmm. There's no safe level. Right. Um, but to quote Washington, the city of Baltimore to this day abounds with lead-tainted low-income housing populated almost exclusively by African-Americans. And why is that? It's because it's too it's simply too expensive to remove the lead. So building owners just don't do it despite the fact that it's against the law. 37,000 Baltimore children suffered lead poisoning between 2003 and 2015, nearly all of whom were black. Mm-hmm. So it's not a problem that's in the past and I think that is a, a really good uh, crystallization of the problem of environmental racism. Right. And then I mean it's also like back to like this the location, right? Like you have a predominant, a predominantly black city or town in Alabama. You have a predominantly northeastern city in Baltimore. Um, Flint is another predominantly black city. Like Newark, a, another predominantly black. Like it's it's so blatantly obvious how this is all perpetrated along lines of race, of race and class. And I mean. It's almost, you know, one in the same that if you're black, you're more than likely poor working class anyway. And so the fact that the fact that they're able to the fact that they're able to do this shit on such a large scale and nothing get done about it shows like how hijacked the country is by corporations. Yeah, and one of their one of their really um, insidious techniques is to well, so they're one of a subheading in the Washington book was doubt is their product, mm-hmm. and so they're manufacturing this doubt in the face of accumulating evidence that a given right. product is toxic and harmful. And so one of the ways they manufacture that doubt is obvious, right? They just hire their own scientists and mm-hmm. publish a bunch of bullshit studies, right? The, the more insidious one in technique they use is that they they demand incontrovertible proof that the product is toxic. Mm-hmm. And incontrovertible, incontrovertible proof of anything is really, really difficult to come by, especially when you're dealing with a chemical. It might take decades to right. know with 100% right. certainty. And so they're just buying shelf life for their products – which can continue to wreak havoc on these communities. Um, Especially, and then you also think about like going back to Aniston. When we talk about like taking these issues to court, like just think about how much litigation costs, right? And so more than half of the $300 million settlement went to the lawyers. Right. Which someone (laughs) needs to explain that to me. If the, like, are the lawyers, I'm not saying that. 
I don't know what I'm saying, but like, do the lawyers really, they just earned $300 million for a bunch of cancer stricken people. And they're like, they're okay with taking the 150. They're like, <laughs> like how many lawyers, like I'd, li- I'd like to know what's the, what's the team. What's how the, many lawyers yeah. were there? Like how much did each lawyer walk away with? Was that their incentive? Like, I, I just, I'm not, I'm not ca- casting any aspersions right now, but I'd like to know. Someone oh, no, explain no. that shit it's, to me. It's definitely some, they they took a little bit too much off the top. It's like, it's like self-defeating. It's like you busted your ass in this huge case with with Johnny Cochran to win $300 million and then all of that is funneled back to you? Is it because it costs that much? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and I but and that's where it's like, I, I guess it does. Track. I got you off no, track. I, but I guess it is like, a, you know, part of it is like the cost of litigation is so much. Like that's why some, you know, corporations... Uh, some wealthy people just, you know, wealthy individuals will just be like, fuck it. You're suing me. We'll just stay in court and I'll just run you dry. Yeah. And so it's like, when you think about how hijacked, you know, the court system and the political system is by, you know, these multinational corporations and shit, it's crazy to think of like how you can really combat these issues exactly i think that's so right and all of a sudden the the fact that these for example like we talked about it last episode but that these corporations made a conscious effort to shift the onus of responsibility back onto the individual Mm -hmm. you know um like you know with climate change it's not pepsico's fault that they're making all this disposable shit it's your fault for littering it's the right. individual's fault it's the individual's prerogative to go and go to the gym and be healthy it's not monsanto's fucking fault mm-hmm. right but all of a sudden you start sounding like a conspiracy theorist and you start sounding like a radical in the in the face of these corporate narratives because it's like is it so crazy to be like we should hold off on putting this stuff on the market before we know whether or not it's good for us. Oh, of course. And, but, but but suddenly because you're that flies in the face of these corporate interests, suddenly like that's like a radical idea. There's this really really one, probably one of my favorite quotes from Washington in the whole book where she's like she writes, "Am I suggesting that chemicals suspected suspected in italics of causing illness be restricted or removed from the market even before we can prove that they cause sickness?" like memory loss, IQ loss, confusion, and behavioral problems suffered by those who are exposed to them? Yes. Right. But like that doesn't, but in the United States, it's like, nah, like other, other places are like better, better safe than sorry, like precautionary mm-hmm. principle. Like we talked about last time here. It's like, nah, let's get paid first. It's this maximize capital maximizing tactics. Late stage. Yeah. Capitalism. Late stage, neoliberal, everything's got a fucking price. And so, and it has to hit market. It has to hit the market, you know, as soon as it's ready, not when it's tested. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, and it's we, we, because look, it, it, this isn't this isn't anything to do with uh, with the environment, but just an example of this like race to get something to market is the the fucking Tesla shit like he just had this tesla pickup and he's like look we about to do this live demo it's got the fucking armored windows and they threw a brick at it and the shit bust yeah, brody broke it right yeah <laughs> so it's like it, it, dude like you you didn't test this fucking window oh, 
crushed tomorrow. I didn't even think about it like that. That's fire. You know, like you didn't think you didn't think to test this shit out before we go live in front of millions of people. And yeah. I mean, it's just is it's all about how to maximize profit. Yeah, it's like strike when the high the iron's hot. Right. Ism. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was really interesting how just in terms of like the corporate strategies, manufacturing doubt and stuff like that, I, I immediately started thinking about climate change um, and like the, this deliberate attempt being made by climate deniers to like deflect people's attention away from larger policy solutions. And again, like shifting the onus, to like just don't let mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. shit like that. Well, you know, my, my boy, my boy, Noam, Noam yeah, Chomsky. got to say? He, he wrote a book, you know, years ago called Manufacturing Consent. You know, you Ooh. might have heard of it. Uh, I haven't read it. Yeah, you're asleep, that's yeah. why. Um, but in it, he essentially talks about, like, it's really speaking about the media and how the media, you know, uh, coalesce, will coalesce around a you know, particular narrative or whatever and yeah. push that shit. Yeah. Like, and it doesn't matter if it's a right leaning, uh, outlet, if it's a left leaning outlet, what it, like if it's a corporate media slash news outlet, best fucking believe that they're pushing a particular narrative. Yeah. And so, and he gets at that. And so it, it you know, it, it also shows like that, it shows how embed or how embedded the corporate narrative is into like mass media. And so mm. where it's like these, you know, fucking the CEO of Monsanto isn't, you know, literally in here pushing this shit in a certain way, but he has a, a fucking ad department and they, yeah. you know, they have a relationship with CNN and MSNBC and Fox news Bro, and shit I, like when that. I went down that. When I went down that rabbit hole researching for this episode, again, Related to the environment, not necessarily germane to environmental racism, the book we were reading, but like I think in the UK, PepsiCo launched a, a campaign in 2018 called like Keep It Bin It. Mm-hmm. And it was a whole ad campaign. I think they ran ads on television. I didn't actually see any of the ads, but I, I read a lot about it. And supposedly the the whole campaign campaign was centered around using like shocking images to show just, just how much trash there is Mm -hmm. like, just like almost like shock porn, shock value of like the, Mm -hmm. like the islands of trash type shit. Right. Right. Anti-littering campaign. (laughs) The, the the campaign stated purpose, uh, this is a quote here was to make littering culturally unacceptable. And yet, so this was my own research. I just did a simple Google search and you can easily find out that PepsiCo is one of the world's worst plastic polluters. And they, were, they did an audit, I think also in, no, it was in 2016, an audit where researchers collected like 200,000 samples of, of plastic debris from the ocean. All of that shit was PepsiCo. Right. So what are you telling me, PepsiCo? And, and like uh, there's this other nonprofit called Keep America Beautiful, which is an anti-pollution nonprofit founded by PepsiCo, Anheuser-Busch, Philip Morris. And it's like, okay, so now it's our responsibility to not throw the shit out. I'm not saying you should litter. No, but I'm no. saying like the, the who's thing making is, the shit in right, the first place? I was about to say the thing is it and I said this on a I said this in about the on the in the billionaires episode, but to think that 
you have multinational corporations who make up 90% or 99%, basically, 99 fucking percent of the pollutants, whether airborne pollutants, litter, plastic, whatever the fuck. The fact that you have these multinational corporations who are responsible for that shit, but then we're like, oh, put make sure that you put the the plastic bottle in the you know in the blue bin yeah and yeah. All, that shit's not going to change anything no and what it and it just allows the corporations to again maximize their profit because the ad campaigns offset whatever you know they're like shit I'm we're good with pushing this ad campaign as opposed to really restructuring our business practices right, right because this is this isn't just like off you know one-off decisions like oh we we had no other no other choice to you know but to dump the shit over here right, or right, whatever right. no it's it's just your your business practices it's a foundational right. element of your of exactly. your business pepsi makes <laughs> exactly. plastic exactly. shit that has to go somewhere exactly and yeah, I mean, it's it, exactly. And then I also found like McDonald's is part of this nonprofit called Alliance for a Healthier Generation where they're encouraging Come like health. And I'm like, McDonald's? It's McDonald's. Come on, McDonald's. It's like, Come on, McDonald's. Yeah. We, you have meat like product. <laughs> like, it's not even beyond meat or impossible, Burke. Like, you have some, I don't even know what the fuck that McDonald's shit is. No, I. And you're on the you're on the healthier eating tip yeah. now. Like, come on, man. Yeah, like, and I feel like people might like uh, like people that are more I don't know believe in like free market stuff, uh, mm-hmm. free market theories and shit like that would maybe accuse us of being cynical here. And it just doesn't work. But but <laughs> the fact that it's like but it's so transparently like just a diversionary tactic because like you said. Nothing's really stopping them from sort of restructuring right. their business, but it. But so, like McDonald's can, for for nothing, be a part of this alliance for a healthier generation and still be peddling you, the exactly. most unhealthy like, right, food to, right. to kit. Like, like you, you have to, you have to, in order to like genuinely do some shit. I think you have to take out the profit motive, like. To think about like healthcare, the fact that you have a health insurance company. So wait, we have a, a company that has to make money off of healthcare. Why can't I just go to the doctor? Why can't I just go see the dentist or right. go to the optometrist or whoever the fuck? Uh, the fact that people are making money off of preventable illnesses, uh, making money off of like think about how how much insurance companies are making from people who are either you know dealing with these type of like chemical reactions and shit to you know toxic dumps being you know right around the fucking corner from their house and shit like that so it's like think about the money that's being made off of this the only way that you can really fix it is if you take certain shit you take the profit motive out of certain shit it, Hundred percent. It's like it's like the quote from last episode. The the scientist. I don't. I forget his name. But it's like certain things you just you can't. It doesn't make sense to think about them in terms yeah. of dollars and cents. Like yeah. like the air we breathe. Right. Should not be water that you apply like an economic framework. Right. To like, can you really put a price? It just that that just is the thing that doesn't compute. To it. This, it's this like shit that shit that you need. Like you need 
you need clean air, you need water, you know, like basic shit like that. And it's like, I have to go and, and give you $3 for a, a, a bottle of Fiji. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I got to. And you're not even safe from that because right. Washington hipped, hipped us to the fact that if you can check out, it's like eat. Uh, H-E-P or H-E-P mm-hmm. like, a lot of the plastic yeah you, no you, that's you why I'm avoiding the tainted water that's from why tap, I don't but, yeah that's why I don't I you know I it sounds bougie but I drink water out of glass bottles yeah. but it's it's because of the plastics yeah like yeah yeah but um okay shout out to Aquapana and uh Aquapana is fire and uh shout out to San Pen- San uh Pellegrino yeah Pellegrino's good I, I like a I like a more violent fizziness. House. What I said, house. <laughs> the house. Oh, 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 house, house. Yeah, house. I, that, that, seltzer. Yeah, I like a. And at at my parents' house, we have like a soda stream, so you can control the the amount of the the carbonation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but okay, let I just want to bring it back to, um, the racism and put, let's put the racism back in environmental racism because I again I'm here to argue for environmental racism. Yeah. Um, so. And then I think we can sort of wrap wrap the episode up because I think we got a lot of good shit in here. Um, again, race is a better predictor of who's going to be exposed mm-hmm. to this stuff. Uh, U.S. African-American children are almost two times more likely than white children to test positive for lead. Among the all the kids of any race who were who tested positive for lead exposure, black children were three times more likely to have extremely high levels of lead, um, like of 10 micrograms per deciliter, uh, which is the level of lead that causes the most damaging health effects. And how do we put that in terms of IQ? Um, their African-American children's greater lead exposure to s- serves to depress their average IQ. Um, studies consistently show that children lose approximately one quarter to one half of an IQ point for every microgram per deciliter of blood lead. So if black kids are like have around 10 micrograms per deciliter that's they're losing an automatic five iq points wow so there 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 you have it hmm that's how you keep them out of harvard (laughs) (laughs) wow Uh, uh, yeah yeah Yeah. this is america yeah Oh, but we didn't even really talk about air. How yeah? Do we all really breathe the same air? I think Washington puts it really eloquently. Like not, not really. Yeah, not really. The yeah. air we breathe is different, right? Um, and this isn't <clears throat> this isn't a this isn't an isolated thing. Now, because race is an indicator of the likelihood of your exposure to this shit, does not mean that just because you're sitting up in a nice little middle-class enclave somewhere that you aren't susceptible because you have people in Montreal, you have people in uh, Quebec. It's uh, it's another, it's a couple other places in Canada right now Hmm. that are, they just tested and found like extreme levels of lead. And and we're not talking about predominantly black areas, you know? So this shit is, it's environmental shit because it's tied to money and everything is just a fucking death sentence. Well, so now I, now I have to include this shit about air and maybe we can end after that because 
Washington brought up this study done by the University of Minnesota, which found that like 70% of Hispanic kids and roughly like 68% of Asian American kids, 60% of black kids live in areas that exceed the EPA ozone standards for air Mm -hmm. quality Mm -hmm. compared with 51% of white kids. So it's alarming across the board. So I take Washington, like Washington's point is to point out the racism inherent to that, which is true. It's alarming across the board. That's what's, if like 51, like one out of every two kids and more so in minority communities are living in places that the EPA is like, yeah, you shouldn't breed that. Right. So. We're all fucked. (laughs) I mean, but that's the thing about like the, like the environment, which is why the linear thinking of late stage capitalism is flawed is this idea that we're going to dump all of these chemicals, fuck up the ozone layer and all this other shit. And somehow because we have money as, you know, corporate CEOs, board members, whatever, whatever, we're, we're absolved of this same environment. Motherfucker, you are on this planet too. (laughs) So, but it's, you know, they, they have the, um, they take the, the approach i think it was let me see i think it was king i think it was louis the 13th um i think it was louis the 13th it might be louis the 14th oh no louis the 15th actually said this but it's apropos for for this and how these corporations operate but he was basically you know saying you know he don't really care about he doesn't really care about what's to come after him, right? Mm-hmm. So he says, Après moi, le déluge, which is after me, the flood. Like, after me, who gives a fuck? Uh, it's, it doesn't matter. And so, that's what these corporations are doing. Yep. <laughs> Damn. All right, I don't want to even say that. Let's, <laughs> let's let that ring out. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Later. Now that you mention it, yeah.